The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. Negotiate Anything is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 3 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. I'm Kwame Christian, and I'm the director of the American Negotiation Institute. We're growing, and I want to introduce you to our new team members and new trainers. This will help to give you new, diverse perspectives on negotiation and conflict resolution. That's why I'm excited to let you know that Shane Martin, our head of sales and partnerships, is going to serve as co-host of the show from time to time. We are passionate about providing you with the best content that will help to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that our team conducts negotiation and conflict resolution trainings in the United States and abroad. Our trainings will give you the practical skills you need to resolve conflict, negotiate, lead, and persuade with confidence. Click the link in the description below to learn how we can help to make your difficult conversations easier. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Negotiate Anything podcast. Your co-host Shane Ray Martin is with you today. And today is a very, very special episode because we have Austin Rutherford with us. Austin has built a multi, multi-million dollar empire in real estate, has hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, uh, but more importantly, has a heart to serve and give back to people who are negotiating. So if you're negotiating either a complicated deal or a simple deal, whether it's real estate or at work, you're going to want to tune in today. So without further ado, Austin, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about your experience in negotiations. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on, Shane. Um, you know, just kind of quick background, uh, you know, got started in real estate about seven and a half years ago. Um, started out buying a rental property, flipped my first house a year and a half after that. Um, since then, you know, done over probably 300 deals now on almost 100 rental properties um, and, you know, still buying here today. So uh, loving the real estate game um, and then, you know, social media uh, influencer, quote unquote, as well. But, you know, as far as like negotiations go, every single thing in life is a negotiation. You know, that's what a lot of people don't understand. If you're negotiating food or you're negotiating deals, or you're negotiating relationships, or you're negotiating with your kids or whatever it is, like everything is negotiation so it's a very you know viable uh, subject to be talking about um and you know I'm, I'm i'm an open book so we can dive into to whatever you you want to talk about yeah yeah absolutely i love it and i know that you uh growing up had uh, big dreams big ambitions to play in the nba and be on the big stage playing ball and since everything in life like you said is a negotiation i feel like one thing that isn't touched on very much is the mental aspect of negotiation and how to elevate yourself that much in basketball and have ambitions to do that you have to be constantly negotiating with yourself of how hard can i how hard can i push my body uh, how how like how far do i want to go and i think the same thing is in negotiations too and so if if everything in life is a negotiation uh, what are some of the most common uh, negotiations that you find yourself in uh, today 
For sure. I think taking it back to basketball, just kind of give a perspective on it. Again, everything is, is a negotiation. And a lot of people, when they try to do something or when they start something, they're already negotiating what they're willing to do to make that happen. So in basketball, like how much work am I willing to put in? How many you know laps am I willing to run? How many shots am I willing to put up to become you know a professional athlete? And my answer was always as many as it takes. I remember a conversation with my parents, like I was doing like box jumps. I was trying to dunk. I never really got around to doing it, um, but I was trying to work on my bunnies. And uh, my parents were like, Austin, like you're going to blow your knees out. Like you got to slow down. I was like, I don't need my knees if I don't go to the league. So like I was I was in no matter what it took. And a lot of people negotiate what that is. And sooner or later, you're going to break. If you have an option to negotiate, you're going to give in at some point. At some point, it's going to get too hard. You're going to go through an injury. You're going to lose 100 deals in a row. You're going to have the biggest deal of a lifetime fall out on you, whatever it is. And you're going to give in if you're willing to negotiate. So the biggest thing that I say is like, there is no negotiation. Like as far like you just got to be all in and be ready to do whatever it is. Like if I got to get up at 4 a.m., I'm there. If I got to stay up to 2 a.m., I'm there. If I got to work 20 hours a day, I'm in. But a lot of people negotiate that and they never actually get to where they want to go because they're not willing to put the work in in the first place. Right. It sounds like in order to be successful in negotiations, you're saying that you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. For sure. hundred percent. hundred percent. And it's, it's uncomfortable at times. Like having like in real estate specifically, when I first started real estate, you know, I would, I would give an offer to a seller. Their house would be worth like 300 grand and it needed work. So it wasn't worth 300 grand today, but I would have to be comfortable giving them an offer of like $150,000. Right. And it's very like nerve wracking to, to say that to somebody. And if you come off nervous yourself when you make an offer like that, like they're obviously not going to take it. But if you come off confidently, you know, it's going to be like, oh, well, you know, maybe it is worth that. You know what I mean? So 100 percent, you got to have confidence with doing things. And the only reason you normally don't have confidence is because you're uncomfortable in that position in the first place. So literally like a part of my affirmations and everything, like I look myself in the mirror every single day and I say my affirmations. One of the things when I started when I was young, I was very, very nervous to walk into rooms where I didn't know people. Like face would go red, I would walk in and then I would walk out. So one of my daily affirmations was, I know when I bring value in any room and I carry my shoulders high when I walk in the door. So I said that to myself a million times. So when I walk into rooms now, I know I have confidence and I know I bring value. So 100%, you got, you got to get comfortable in the uncomfortable. 100%, yeah, you, 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 want to, uh, you want to feel more confident. It's almost like in a way in these negotiations, you want to speak what you want into existence. And so... And that sounds kind of like fluffy. So to the people who are saying like, well, I do say I do do my affirmations and I do believe in myself, um, but still like I go into that room to negotiate and I'm feeling like nervous. Like what advice do you have for someone who's like, you know, we've all been there where we're, we're making maybe an ask that feels uncomfortable. Like what advice do you have for someone who's like nervous going into a negotiation or difficult conversation? Yeah, uh, I think it goes to lack of uh, preparation or lack of knowledge. You know, when, when I go in, so when, when early on when I would go to negotiate houses, I would know down to the penny what I could pay for a house before I ever went to the house. So before going, I would run all my comps. I'd know exactly what the property's worth because I'd look at every other house in the neighborhood. I'd go through and I'd ask them questions before getting there about the condition of their property. So I already knew what needed to be done at the property. So I ran my numbers all the way down to the penny. And usually I only had like three or four questions once I arrived on site. And it might be like, do I need to change the electrical panel? Are there foundation issues? And then that is it. 
So if I go in, I'm like, it needs an electrical panel, boom, my offer drops, my offer drops $2,000. If it needs a foundation solution, it's five grand, my offer drops five grand. So I already knew exactly what I was doing when I walked into the meeting. And I was comfortable with the conversation flow because I, I role played with myself hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times to get comfortable with the conversation. So when you go in knowing the numbers, knowing the conversation, knowing how you want to control the conversation, like there, there's nothing to that you don't know. Right. So you go in with confidence. A lot of people ask me on my first flip, um, I was able to raise a quarter million dollars to fund that first deal from a private money lender. I was 21 years old at the time. People are like, how did you get a quarter million dollars at 21 years old? And I ended up asking my lender that. Uh, I was like, why'd you lend me money? Like, you knew I was young, like, why? And she was like, because every question I asked you had an answer to. That's, that's preparation, that's knowing your stuff. So if you're prepared and you have the knowledge going into it, you have a lot more confidence walking through that door. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And what we talk about at American Negotiation Institute, we've trained hundreds, we've done hundreds of trainings on negotiation, thousands of people. And we talk about how competence breeds confidence so the more that you show up like you said you've done the comps you know how much you're going to have to either put to uh the electrical panel or to new flooring etc that you know that you have to deduct that from from the offer that you make and so how about let's say you make that offer um and they say no let's talk about something that people are usually a little bit hesitant to talk about in negotiations is like when you get punched in the mouth, when like things aren't working out, when you're frustrated, when you lose a deal, like how do you deal like emotionally, mentally uh, with, I don't know, rejection? It's a numbers game. It's on to the next. You know, at, at the beginning, again, it hurt, right? It was like, man, like I spent all that time, all that energy on this deal. Knowing what I know now, it was never a deal in the first place. I just got emotionally attached to it and, tr and tried to create something out of nothing. So, but I mean, even past that, like there are deals that you try to make happen because they're deals and they still don't happen. But like, it's, a, it's literally a numbers game. That's all it is. You talk to a hundred sellers, you get a deal. You talk to a hundred potential private money lenders, you get a private money lender. You post a hundred pieces of content, one finally goes viral. So like literally anything in life, like you gotta, you gotta implement and learn, implement and learn, implement and learn. You know, when, when you have a conversation with the seller and you, you know, when you're going through the negotiation, you get to the price and you're just like, all right, $200,000. You gotta, you gotta understand their response to that. If they're like, okay, I'll think about it. That's everybody's answer most of the time. Like you just screwed yourself because they're gonna think about it and say no. So how do I get that question removed in the next conversation? So you gotta ask yourself, how do I remove, let me think about it. So before saying the offer, you now say, hey, Mr. Mr. Jones, you know, if I were able to give you an offer today that you were happy with, are you ready to make a decision right here today so we can get this done as quickly as possible for you? Yes, I'm ready to make a decision today. Perfect, my offer's 200K. Well, let me think about it. Okay, Mr. Jones, you just said you were ready to make an offer today. Like, what, what's the issue? What's going on right now? And then you literally get rid of that, um, you know, uh, question from them before you even make the offer in the first place. So it's doing something, learning from it, and then tweaking it on the next thing. And again, that's in negotiations, that's in social media, that's in having an argument with somebody in your family. Like, how do you get past the issue? You eliminate it before it even becomes, a, before it ever happens in real life. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. 
Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. That's right. And sometimes when we are having conversations with our families, sometimes we don't even know that we're in a negotiation. And arguably, those are the those are the ones that, you know, might be the most dangerous are the ones when you don't know you're negotiating. And so I loved what you said about how before you are making an offer, before you're making your ask, you're putting, let's say you use the example of Mr. Jones in the uh, mindset of being receptive to your message. And there's a really, really uh, powerful book called Presuasion, written by Dr. Robert Cialdini, who has done tons of studies on how to be persuasive. And one of the things that essentially the main theme of the book is like, the most important thing to do is to set yourself up for a win. So it's to put people in a framework or, or in a mindset to be receptive to your message. And so you're saying hypothetically, like if we were to reach an agreement today, would you be able to move forward? And they say yes or no. And I love that too. The second piece is why I love that is because that gives you the opportunity to bring up objections before they're actually objections. And that is what great negotiators do, is they unearth the truth before they actually make their ask. And that's really hard to do, but the only way to do it is through asking questions. And so what are some questions in negotiations that you've been in that you found to be like the most powerful and the most relevant to your day to day? Yeah, absolutely. So that that's one of them. You know, are, are you ready to make a decision here today? Um, another one is like, what other decision makers are involved? Again, if you negotiate all the way through with one person, you say a hundred grand, they're like, yeah, I agree. Perfect. Let's do a deal. Well, I got to talk to my wife. And then the wife might be thinking 200 grand. So at the beginning, we always ask, like, are there any other decision makers involved? And it's like, yeah, my wife. Perfect. Go ahead and put me on speaker so we can all have this conversation together. Well, well she's not home right now. Perfect. Go ahead and give her a call and put us on three-way. Well, she doesn't have her cell phone on her. Awesome. What time is she going to be home? I'll give you guys a call back at 5.30 p.m. on the dot. We'll be able to have this conversation. So it's getting through those things before, like you said, before they even come up, the, the objections, um, getting rid of them before anything ever happens. Um, so those are two of the bigger, bigger questions um, on the real estate side, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think like social media or anything. There's really no like questions on social media. You just kind of like put content out there and, and see what sticks. Um, but it's like, it's learning from it, right? You know, there, there's, there's, we have a whole objection, a rebuttal list. 
so if a private money lender asks like, you know, what happens if, if, you know, we give you money and you get hit by a truck and die, like how do we get our money back? There's two answers. For me, there's two answers. One, you have a mortgage on the house. You can foreclose on the house and get your money back. And two, I have a very large life insurance policy. So before that even comes up, I'd be like, hey, just so you know, you know, I have a blank amount, a dollar uh, life insurance policy. If anything were ever to happen to me, you'd be the first one to get paid out. So like that gets rid of that question before it ever even happens. It's so interesting. And I, I like that, like direct and, and like, essentially you're being very forward. You're being very honest. Like, hey, are you able to make a decision? And sometimes I've found in negotiations, I feel especially when I first started negotiating, I felt a little awkward asking, hey, are like, can you decide on this or can you pull the trigger? Or, you know, if you're negotiating your salary, are you able to um, sign this or are you able to move forward with my salary? So what I what I recommend trying or one thing to consider is to just call that out. And it, you can call it what we call it is a is a humble disclaimer. So you just say like, Hey, Austin, you know, I feel like a little bit awkward asking this, but like, are you potentially planning to make a decision and, and sign this contract by the end of the month? Because, you know, I just, I don't want to, you know, be a classic salesperson pushing you faster, you know, than you want to move. Something like that, where you can just say the truth. And I think people, you'll see their faces kind of like, oh, like, oh, this is a human that I'm negotiating with and, and not like, a, you know, not a robot or, or anything like that. And so one of the things that I, I've heard you talk about is how important it is. Like you said, it's a numbers game. Um, when you are negotiating, I've heard you talk about how important it is to create options and negotiations and be flexible, like either uh, either maybe you're flipping your property or you're doing the Burr method, right? So for someone struggling to create options with whatever they're negotiating with, like what would be like the first thing you would recommend that they do to create options for themselves and why should they do that? Yeah, I think it goes back to like knowledge and research, right? So when I got into the real estate business, it was, it was flipping houses. Like I wanted to buy your house to flip it and that was it. And what I learned is that there's other strategies like subject twos, like creative financing. So when you go into to a talk with a seller to make an offer on a house, you maybe you offer you know $150,000 cash or you offer $180,000 seller financed. So you're creating options for that person. Both of them are beneficial to you. You don't care which way it goes because they're both profitable. But if they're stuck on a number, the $180,000, you find a way to get them to $180,000. Like we've done deals before where we buy, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but let's say a seller wanted 200 grand. We would offer 180, and we would let them be the private money lender on the deal, which they would then get paid $18,000 in interest, which would get them their you know, $198,000, $200,000 that they were looking for in the first place, which we would have paid to them or somebody else. So it's how do you think outside of the box and create solutions to bring a deal together, right? You know, Most people are like, here's the offer, yes or no. Here's the offer, yes or no. Problem with that is, is like it doesn't work for everybody. But if you're able to create other solutions, bring other opportunities in, um, a lot of times you can get what you want, and they can get what they want. You just might have to, you know, move a couple pieces on on the chessboard around. So, uh, creativity, um, you know, comes in play, and then knowledge comes in play. So you know where you can pull those other things in from. Absolutely, yeah. That that's that's so so interesting, and th I think what you're saying is like it doesn't have to be one way. Like you can you can negotiations are like like clay like you can mold them and make make things fit and um along with following austin on instagram another great person you said creative financing 
Uh, Pace Morby, a guy in Arizona, puts out awesome content on creative financing for anyone in real estate. That's that's super interesting. But I think that's kind of along the lines of what you're talking about is like just because someone says no the first time doesn't mean that that it's a no forever. Um, and like you said, it's it's that mindset um, that, that you're talking about. And so, yeah, I think that that's that's really, really powerful of, of what you're saying. And and when you have options, you probably feel more confident, too. Right. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's like, it, it, so going back to like rejection, right? You, you're going to get rejected 100 times. What if you can save three of those deals instead of one of those deals? So it just creates more opportunity for everybody involved when you're able to get creative and offer multiple different options. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, one other thing that I was thinking about for people negotiating is uh, we recently had a we had a poll go out for th- with thousands of people and we asked what is the single greatest negotiation skill and we were really surprised by the answer so i want to ask you what what <laughs> you've done a lot of deals you're doing a lot of deals right now what what do you think uh is the greatest the single greatest negotiation skill i think it's something we haven't even touched on yet and it's, it's simply rapport P- people do business with people that they like so like I've I've won I've, I know for a fact I've bought in houses for fifty thousand dollars less than the other offer because the people like me I sat at the table across from them for two hours and talked about their family and how they want to move to wherever they want to move to so uh, I think rapport is very underplayed um, it's just simple conversation it's just this like it's just talking to people understanding listening um, a lot of people don't want to listen they just want to talk so I think rapport can make or break deals a hundred percent. Was yeah, that the answer? I, yeah, no, that's no, that's that is, that's a that's a really powerful answer. Um, one, so there were tons of great answers, and I love that. Let's dive into that. Uh, one of the top answers was self control, uh, which is odd. You know, that is connected to rapport building. Obviously, when you're building rapport, you have to be in control of um, your own emotions and things like that. But that's that's a another. We could do a whole another podcast on that. But the the rapport building piece sometimes. Um, obviously that is like, that's like the glue I feel like for the deal. Like that's what like brings it together. It makes it stick together. And, uh, how about like in situations, I, I, I imagine you've been in situations where like you've been building rapport with someone and you can kind of tell that, you know, they're over it or they're just like, all right, this is enough rapport. Like what are signs that you're looking for that are like, all right, let's talk business. Yeah, I mean, there's different personalities out there, right? So I, I always go to report. But if you get on the call with a, with an A-type driven individual, you're like, hey, man, like, how's your day going? And they're like, good. You're like, okay, you got any plans for the weekend? No. Right there, you know they're not a report type of person. So like, you can get straight to it. But if you're like, hey, how's your day going? And she's like, well, you know, I woke up this morning and, you know, I went to the doctor and I went to go see my daughter. Like, that's a rapport type individual. So I will go rapport as long as I need to. I've been on the phone for hours, hours and hours and hours, never even asked a question about the house and just built rapport the entire time. So it depends on the type of individual that you're talking to. Uh, but my answer is like, if you're going to rapport, go for as long as you can, because the more it's. I forget the um, the the law that's out there with it, but like the more time and value you offer somebody, the other person feels inclined to ha- offer value back to you. So if you're sitting there talking to them, understanding them, offering advice for hours, and then you and one other person make an offer, they're going to feel inclined to go with yours because you already offered that value to them. I forget the law, but it's something out there. So uh, to me, like I'll go rapport every time. But a lot of times, like if somebody calls me and wants to talk rapport, like I'm good. Like what's the numbers? If the numbers make sense, let's do it. If not, like we can keep it pushing. So it depends on the individual that you're talking to. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It, it does depend on the person. And I think uh, the more conversations you've, you have over the years, the more negotiations that you're in, I think that you'll sense, you know, all right, you know, not a lot of reporting needs to be spent here or, Hey, this person, it's really important that they feel a connection. And for those people who do want a connection, uh, one of the things that I've, I've, we've all found here at a and to be very powerful is the strongest rapport building technique you can do or when the rapport is the strongest is when you find an uncommon commonality with the person you're negotiating with. So when you find something similar that, you know, not a lot of other people have in common. And so if both you and I wanted to go to the NBA, for example, that would be like an uncommon commonality. But the thing is, you would never get there often unless like you said today, like you said today, unless you ask questions and are interested. And so it's like constantly using discernment to walk that line of like, all right, like, hey, let's talk a little bit and then like, let's dive in. Um, because what, I, what I've seen is these executives, the higher up we go, VPs and above, a lot of times they will be less interested in rapport at first. But once you build value and teach them something that they don't know or help them solve a problem that they didn't know they had, then like in the following negotiation or conversation, then they're a little bit more interested in like hearing, you know, about things that are going on outside of work. But again, it just depends on the person. And that could be something that people experiment with uh, when they're building rapport. And so that's that is a, a huge piece of negotiations. The foundation. Is there a, anything else you want to add to rapport building or any questions that you like any secret, like any secret sauce to rapport building you want to have on before we uh, move on or wrap up? I think it's just listening, right? Like a lot of people don't, people might listen, but they don't really listen. So when you're negotiating with somebody, like if, if somebody says like, I want to sell my house to, because I want to move. And then later on in the conversation, they're like, well, you know, my daughter just had a baby. So it's my, it's my grandbaby. And then two completely different conversations. You got to be like, okay, like, oh, you want to move to go be with your, your grandchild. That's the real reason that you want to move. So when you're able to listen to those things later on in the, the actual negotiation, when you're, when you're talking about numbers, you can be like, man, Miss Jones, how would it feel if you could sell this house by Friday and we could hire a moving company for you and have you with your daughter and your grandbaby within the next seven days? How would that make you feel? Well, man, that'd be amazing. And she never even said that was where she was moving in the first place. So if you, could, if you listen and truly listen, you can go a lot farther. A lot of people are just super surface level. Take it a layer deeper and you'll end up listening and learning a lot more to be able to use later on in conversations. Yeah, it's almost like it, it sounds like you're like connecting dots. So you're remembering what they said earlier and then looping it back into something that they've mentioned later on. For sure. hundred percent. Man, that's powerful. That's really, really powerful. All right. So single grace negotiation skill report building. We just did a deep dive into report building and why that matters. That's, that's really, really good stuff. I'm glad that I'm glad that that was your answer. And um, a few other, uh, another thing that came to my mind is now that you've negotiated for years at this point, you've negotiated with all different types of people and everyone listening does the same. Everyone's negotiating with different types of people. And so you've negotiated with people probably who have zero money to people who have millions of dollars. And I'm curious, when you're negotiating with someone who maybe has more leverage or has uh, more authority or, or has just more capital to deploy to a project, like what are those conversations like with those type of individuals? I'm just curious. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's very numbers driven, right? And if you have rapport, they want to help you more than money most of the time. Um, so a lot of like people I've done business with when I was younger, like they they wouldn't they wouldn't take the best deal. You know, instead of earning you know twelve percent on their money, they give it to me for ten or eleven percent because they wanted to see me win and they wanted to see me succeed. So um, a lot of quote unquote successful people really actually want to see people win. Uh, but then once you like, if you're on like kind of equal playing fields, it's all numbers. It's numbers and value. Like, yo, can, can you do 100K? No. All right, cool. Let's keep it pushing. Or can you do 100K and do this thing over here to make make up for it? Can you? Yes. Boom. All right, let's do the deal. Send me the documents. Like some of the the, the easiest deals I've done has been through text message. It's like, yep, 100K? Nope. All right, cool. Send it. I'll close on Tuesday. Like we're clo- we got a deal yesterday. We're closing on Wednesday. And it was the easiest conversation I've ever had. So like, when you're dealing with people that understand money and, ha- and have emotion removed from it, the problem is a lot of people get emotional and that's where all, all the headaches start to happen is when they're emotionally tied or they feel this some type of way or they, they heard that you like this one person that they don't like. So now they don't want to do business with you. So there's all this crap out there. I mean, I can give you story after story about hate messages I get like it is nonstop. But like when you're when you're arguing with illogical people, you can never win. But when you're arguing or negotiating with logical individuals, it's it's very simple and straightforward. So it's really like the negotiation is way shorter. It's can you do it or not and keep it pushing. Right. Which is why it's probably so important to come prepared and do the do the preparation like you'd mentioned earlier. Know what you know, like come with solutions and and know the numbers, uh, which is so key. So. Uh, amazing insights and uh, just an, in- an incredible conversation, Austin. And um, you know, you you've had a lot of success. Um, you're financially free. And uh, one question we always like to ask is, how much of what you, your team, how much of what you've accomplished uh, would you attribute to luck or hard work? Yeah. So there's a saying out there by uh, Gary Vee, and I'm not going to throw out all the F-bombs that he did, but somebody's like, man, you got real lucky. And he's like, yeah, I got real lucky working till 4 a.m. in the morning for three F and years straight or like 20 F and years straight and risking it and putting all my money on the line and reinvesting in marketing and blah, 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 blah. He's like, I got real F and lucky. And like to me, like, don't get me wrong. There's a little bit of luck that comes into play. Right. You know, you you happen to walk down the street and, you know, bump shoulders on accident into a, a, you know, a billionaire that you just have a good conversation with. Like there's a little, little bit of luck with that. But on the flip side, you were the one that actually put yourself in that situation. There's been many, many times where I did not want to go to meetings, where I did not want to go to events, where I did not want to pick up the phone and call people. But I hard work. I did it. And that led to an amazing opportunity from being there that would look like it was relatively lucky, but I never would have been in that position if I didn't actually get up and go. So um, I, I, there's a look, there's a little bit of luck in everything. Right. Buying, you know, Dogecoin and getting a five thousand X in a week, like that's a little bit lucky, but you actually made the decision to buy it in the first place. Right. So there's a little bit of both sides there. But uh, without hard work, I don't think luck happens with hard work. I think luck can happen. 100 percent. Put put yourself in, in the best position for success for what for what you want to achieve. So Austin, appreciate appreciate you sharing that. And uh, you have a great book that's coming out called Get Free Houses. And also you have a coaching program. Uh, and there we go. Get free houses. So uh, for anyone uh, who's in real estate and um, and really negotiating out in the field uh, with lenders, with sellers, with buyers, 
what's like the number one takeaway that they would get if they buy your book? Yeah, so book's coming out um, here in a couple weeks. Final release date hasn't been released, but if you follow me on Instagram, at Austin Rutherford Official, um, you'll see the updates and everything. Uh, but the, the light bulb kind of went off for me, specifically in real estate, when I learned that I could literally get free houses. So it shows you how to find deals, how to find private money, how to negotiate with contractors, and how to get deals at the right price, where you can physically get a house given to you for free, which really means none of your own money invested the entire process. And then you still own the asset and then you make cash flow every month thereafter for the rest of your life and your kid's life and your kid's kid's life. So I was like, I can get free houses? Like how many times can we do that? Uh, So on the negotiation side, it teaches you step-by-step that entire process and how to do it. All right. If you want a free house, you have to get the book. I love it. All right. Awesome. Well, appreciate you coming on the show and everyone for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And make sure to follow Austin at Austin Rutherford Official on Instagram and buy his book, Get Free Houses. Thanks, Austin. Appreciate it, brother. Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.